It's our WWE Crown Jewel 2021 review show on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. Another day, another torn day for yours truly because it's been a crazy week. The Dodgers are once again in a playoff game during this broadcast. I did get my car back after being sans car for the better part of two weeks. Thank God. So I'll actually have a car this weekend. And I had to endure a terrible pay-per-view. Yes, I was at work when this started. Thank God I didn't watch it live. It's Crown Jewel from Saudi. Yes, I've read some very disturbing things online. We're going to get into all of it because what a program this was. And uh, the J-Man has assured me that he has seen all of the matches. And yes, I'm just going to get out of the way now. We're tied because I had the balls to make good picks, and WWE has no balls. That being said, we're tied. My master plan is coming to fruition, and uh, yes, yours truly is still going to come out on top. So it is Boss Ross and the J-Man. We're talking this splendid pay-per-view. Before we go any further, before we plug our socials so you can all listen to this wonderful pay-per-view rant how are you sir i'm good buddy i'm really good you know i'm sure you like are cody bellinger yeah just feeling like cody bellinger at the bottom of the eighth no look three, look know, i'm, I'm glad bomb. i'm glad that you have uh, you've uh decided to uh be boring and you've decided to uh fall into the trap known as terrible wwe booking no, I'm just and, logical uh, enough to go with it. That's all. No, it's fine. It's fine. Tonight, you're the logical one. I'm the emotional one. And I'll come out on top. It's fine. <laughs> so, so, so basically, I am guaranteeing on this show right now that we are going to tie in the picks. Guaranteed. Because we're tied right now. There's two months to go. I guarantee you neither of us will lose the picks, which means you don't have to watch WCW 2000, which is fine. I don't have to make a TikTok account, and I'll just cover WCW 2000 anyway. So I'm going to win no matter what. <laughs> sucks to be you, and sucks for everybody else that wanted me to make a TikTok account. Haters, it's not happening. It pisses me off that Crown Jewel decided to be crap. Except it wasn't, but okay. No, it was horrible. What? Horrible. How, okay, all right. Explain to me what... What to you was so horrible about okay. the paper you were Okay, okay. I'm going to go down as to how many matches were on this show. Let's, uh-huh. let's I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 10, right? Crown Jewel 2021. Hey, uh, how about you plug our socials while I look this up, uh, since you're the grand winner of this farce of a pay-per-view. As I'm trying to swallow a piece of pizza, as you said that, my apologies. Mm -hmm. Um, Go check us out on the Double Turn Podcast on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. You can catch me at the one and only JMan19. Ross is at RossTheRealBoss85 on Instagram. We are also on Twitter, which is TDT Wrestling Pod. I was on there today all morning long doing my best to cover the pay-per-view as best as I could. I hope it did a good job. 
And Ross is on there apparently too, but he just never uses it. Boss Ross TDT. And you can go ahead and find this wonderful podcast for your listening and oral pleasures at um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Anchor app. And then we are also on RobamEntertainment.com. We're part of that team. Um, go check us out. Go check us, go check out our fellow podcasters over there as well. They're all in, you know, it's all about it's us repping wrestling. It's other people repping movies, comic books, everything that you can think of. It's all in one place with bamentertainment.com. Fabulous job doing that. I, uh, I, I, I quite frankly needed a break of it because I need to save all my energy for the vitriol. That was this crap sandwich of a pay-per-view. You know, what's messed up that the podcast after two days after my 32nd birthday happens to be the one that you're about to go bananas on. Instead of us celebrating my life, I have to hear you go off. Look, look, it's not my fault that two weeks in a row, this show has interrupted me watching Dodgers playoff baseball. So you know what I say to you? Suck it up, buttercup. That being said, that being said, hey, I was live at your birthday for number 30. Okay. Show some respect. All right. 10 matches. 10. My God. All right. Here we go. There was a pre-show match, everybody. It was the Usos versus the Hurt Business. And what do you know? The Hurt Business lost. Because, yeah, why not? Why not put them back together and then just all of them lose? That makes sense. Yeah. By the way, uh, no belts were on the line. So, yeah, let's just have the Usos win a match that means nothing. It was 10 minutes. Yep. You couldn't even put the Hurt Business over in a 10-minute tag match. Kiss my ass, WWE. I move on. It's a pre-show. No one cares. Now, you want to know why this pay-per-view sucked? There were two good matches. Two. Okay. And guess what? The opening contest was one of them. A Hell in a Cell match between Edge and Seth Rollins. This, this, I have ultimate praise for. You want to know why? Because it told a good story and had two competent competitors in it. This match was awesome. It was given time. It sucked me in to start this pay-per-view. I was like, wow. Maybe this is going to be a different Saudi show. Now, it helps when you have two of the best performers of their era, of their of their eras, wrestling each other in the equivalent of what we would call a blood feud. Okay, this goes all the way back to when Seth Rollins was in the authority. That's how connecting the dots we're doing here. You know, back when he was going to curb stomp, you know, when he was allowed to curb stomp, you know, when it wasn't considered offensive. I can tell you some other things that are offensive, but I won't. Back when he was going to curb stomp and break Edge's neck on a briefcase that set up the match where John Cena and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so so Edge has uh, really been looking out to, uh, well, come full circle and get his ultimate revenge against, uh, well, John Morrison 2.0. 
as I will now call him until he gets rid of this awful gimmick. Seriously, tell me how he's not John Morrison 2.0. Tell me. Well, I mean, I would say that John Morrison is Seth Rollins 2.0 because no, Seth Rollins is no. way higher up on the card and no. actually doing something. John Morrison's been doing this gimmick longer than Seth Rollins has. Seth Rollins is John Morrison 2.0. Thank you very much. That being said, this, this was an excellent, excellent Hell in a Cell match. And I'm glad it opened the show because you know what? This being lost in the middle of this card would have been embarrassing. In fact, I would have felt embarrassed if this was lost in the middle of this card. So the fact that it opened the show and put me in a great mood for a, for a moment, for a shining moment, well, it was about 30 minutes, but, you know, a slice of my day that I can say, that was awesome. Look, I, that match will go down as one of the better Hell in a Cell matches we've seen in a while. I don't think that's hyperbole. I think given the competitors, the story, and the match that was told, the only thing I can say is it's a shame it was in Saudi and not in a venue here in the United States. I think it would have gotten over even better in the United States. That's me personally. Because the Saudi show is the Saudi show. And you know what really upsets me? And I know I'm going on a diatribe, but I've got a lot of pent up energy because, well, quite frankly, I just do. Pending a lot of different things going on. The fact that the bar is set so low on these Saudi shows that comment after comment, tweet after tweet, article after article, This is the best Saudi show of all time. You know what? That's like going to a buffet and saying that the food wasn't rotten this time. It was just cold. So, you want to watch a great match on this pay-per-view? Watch the opening contest, not the pre-show, because that doesn't matter, because WWE has never made it matter. The opening contest of this show, Hell in a Cell, full package, or dare I say the total package, Lex Luger. That's right. Watch this match. Do it. Thoughts on the opening contest, sir? Um. Well, I've got a lot of opening. I've got a lot of thoughts on the opening contest. Um. First off, you are 1,000% correct when you say that this was one of the better Hell in a Cell matches that we've seen in a long time. Um, two, this was not, okay. I'm going to go out on a limb. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. It just depends on how you feel. I think that this may have been the best match of the three matches, Ross. I really think that, um, I will say that I think it was the, it was better than the second match at, at MSG, which by the way is saying a lot because that match was an absolute banger, but, um, you can compare this to the match at SummerSlam because the SummerSlam match was no holds barred and this one was hell in a cell. So basically essentially the same rules with the exception of being closed in a, in a cage. Right. Um, it was, I mean, it, it was the longest of three, if I'm not mistaken, it was easily the longest match on the card. This match went 27 minutes and 30 seconds or something crazy like that. Didn't feel like it. Didn't feel like it. Um, 
it told an amazing story. Um, just moments in this match where I was like, oh, sweet baby Jesus, this match is over. And then being like, oh, wait, no, it's not. The sunset flip powerbomb from the top of the ladder through the table was one of those moments that I was like, wow, they're going to end it on this. And I'm totally okay with it because why wouldn't a match end when somebody gets sunset powerbombed from the top of the ladder through a table, right? Um, This was a great match. This was, okay, here I go because I'm just going to say what I have to say. First of all, this is easily the best match in the history of Crown Jewel. Like nothing comes close to how great this match was. And I said that this was also the, to me, the best match in the Seth Rollins and Edge feud. And then therefore, Ross, I believe that this has entered the conversation for perhaps top five best matches of the year in WWE. Because I am saying that to me, it was better than the SummerSlam match. But then again, I can rewatch it tomorrow and feel otherwise. But I will honestly tell you that that just speaks volumes to what Edge and Seth Rollins have done this entire time in their story, which is basically put out the best story of the year regardless of the company. This is the best story that's been told in professional wrestling with the exception of, you know, Roman Reigns running amok. But I'm, because I'm talking about like an actual storyline, right? An actual feud. This has been the feud of the year. I don't, I don't think anything can top it right now to be completely honest with you. And so that's, it, it was a fantastic opener and you're right. It brought the energy in a crazy, crazy way. And, um, I really, really, really enjoyed this Hell in a Cell match for everything, for everything about it. Um, the, I mean, the steel, you know, we didn't talk about the details. Should we talk about the details? I'd like to spend some time on this match, if you don't mind. Um, I thought the steel chain wrapped around Rollins' uh, foot to super kick Edge multiple times and then go ahead and put him out with a curb stomp. And then Edge popping up with a chair and giving him a low blow. And then curb stomping him to end the match after a series of super kicks was great storytelling. I thought that um, just the brutality in this match, and this match was brutal. This was, this was, this was a TV 14 match that was absolutely subdued into a TV PG environment. You know what I'm saying? Like this match was absolutely hellacious. Um, Just, chair shots after chair shots again the sunset flip power bomb from the top of the ladder that was something to pop for um rollins brought the pedigree um edge uh spearing rollins out of his boots and then getting a two and a three quarter count like you can't ask for better storytelling than that and again to end it the way that they ended it i thought it was fat fan freaking tastic to be honest with you this match was tremendous. I don't know if you have anything else to say because again, it's those details that really made me say, "Ugh, what a match." Uh, I only have I only have one negative to say about the match. And uh that is that I hate the fact that they used the red cage. It it, it was it was very out of place. It didn't look that bad to me. But again, going back to last week's discussion, the red and the green didn't go well, you know. No, I um, guess I guess for me, the red cage is ruined forever because of what they did with Bray Wyatt in back-to-back matches with Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan. So to me, I can understand that. 
to me, the red cage needs to be retired and it needs to just be done. So, but that's legitimately the only bad thing I have to say about that match. Uh, I was, I was warm and fuzzy inside. That was around the time when I knew I was getting my car back today. It was a good section of the day for me um, because it just, that was, that was, that was great. That was a great match. It was a fantastic, it's one of the best matches of the year. I'm telling you, it's one of the best matches of the year. My question is, where do Rollins and Edge both go from here? They're both on Raw now. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do? Well, that's 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 the great part is that's you the million have, dollar question, right? You have you have lots of options. Um, I think I know what I would do with Edge. Uh-huh. Um, but I think with Seth Rollins, you can kind of figure it out for the time True. being. You, um, you you could absolutely put in. I mean even though he lost, but I think that in a couple of months you retweak Seth Rollins. I could absolutely see him challenging um, Biggie for the WWE championship in like a month or so. Oh, look, uh, Biggie and Roman Reigns are both going to need competent competitors for a while, which by the way, um, I heard a very, very disconcerting rumor today. And it might explain why some of the things happened on this show. The disconcerting rumor I heard today is that um, we are not going to see Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 38. I read the same. And unfortunately, WWE has the balls to wait until WrestleMania 39 to do that match. It's stupid. So I'm here to tell you that if that is the case, then... What happened at parts of this show somewhat makes sense. Doesn't mean I don't hate it any more or any less, but it does make some sense if, because again, I've said this before. If you, if you have rock versus Roman in your back pocket for WrestleMania this year or this up or next year, the next WrestleMania, you know what I mean? If you have that in your back pocket, you're doing that match. Okay. I agree. But if you don't, then whatever your plan is for WrestleMania as your backup to that, you have months and months to fill between that time. You're not just going to have Roman Reigns pull a Brock Lesnar and wrestle once every 90 days. You're not going to do that. So you have to give Roman baby faces to challenge him. And there's some people on these shows that now legitimately can say, I get a title shot. Again, doesn't mean I like it any more or less, but it makes sense. So that being said, okay, I'm going to say this with the nicest way possible, okay? Mansoor versus Mustafa Ali. I did say that right, correct? Okay. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was on the show. It was 10 minutes. It was right after probably the best thing on this show. So it was a match. It was fine. Again, I'm not going to say it was world changing. I'm not surprised Monsoor won. I'm not surprised it was only given 10 minutes. And again, this match later in the card 
probably would have also anything following that match was going to get a disservice no matter what. Okay. But the fact that they stuck it right here, you're coming off good vibes. This continues the good vibes because it it was just a match. It didn't really take the crowd down. It just kind of kept it maybe where it was or just kept it simmering a little bit, a little bit. I mean, got the crowd still flowing because the hometown hero is out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, again, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Um, If they're going to keep having Mansoor beat people on Saudi shows, maybe they should just have him wrestle on the shows in the States. Maybe a thought. I I, I, I just. Because what? Mustafa Ali's going to come back and act like nothing happened and just work a program that probably not many people are going to care about. I, I don't, I don't know what the end, like, I don't get it. So you have you, I know that we both have issues following raw because it's a three hour. What's the word that you like to, to use? Slog. Slog. Yeah. So the reason why, you know, the reason, well, yeah, we discussed it last week. So They've been teaming, obviously, for the last couple of months, and then all of a sudden, Ali turned on him. So I, I guess the question is, you know, as long as you continue to build Mansoor's, um, build up his status on Raw, or I, I think he's on Raw, right? Because Ali's the one that's going over to SmackDown, if I'm seeing, or is that the other way around? doesn't matter. Whichever show that you have Mansoor on, as long as you go ahead and keep on building his reputation, building his credibility more so... Um, I think we're in for a good thing with Mansoor. And I, by the way, I didn't hate this match either. I thought this match was perfectly fine. I thought it was a really good match between a great worker and a guy who's consistently getting better every single time he's on TV. Uh, I've said it before. I've said it. I'll say it again. I think Ali is one of the best wrestlers in the company. Like it's no joke. The guy is incredible. And him and Mansoor had really great chemistry with one another. You're right. It didn't change the world. It didn't go ahead and like blow off everything and whatnot. Wasn't supposed to. It was never meant to. I think that Mansoor was the perfect or Ali was the perfect opponent for Mansoor because he was they, they just meshed so well together. Honestly, I would have really preferred to see this story of these two teaming together for the long haul. I, I think that they broke him up way too soon. And I know Ali's been great as a heel. Like, the dude is incredible. Like, that's – Ali is one of the most underutilized dudes. You know how, like, you and I both agree that Ricochet is, like, completely 100% underutilized on Raw? And hopefully is that's not the case on SmackDown. I feel the same way about Ali. And had you – had those two continue on a trajectory of, a, of perhaps a tag team title opportunity somewhere down the line in the next few months um, – I would have been perfectly okay with this. And I want to see Mansoor grow and I want to see what he can do alongside with Ali. Cause I know what Ali's limits are. Like I know where, how high I can, I can see him get to. And it's just unfortunate that we're not going to see that. But for the most part, I thought this was, I told a good story in the ring. And at the end of the match, that little cameo, I didn't know who it was until I read about it. Apparently he was the, um, um, one of the karate technicians that represented Saudi Arabia in the Olympics. And so that's why the crowd went crazy. They love it. They big hometown hero. And so that was what that was all about. Um, I thought that was fun. It popped the crowd and that's what it mattered. That's what mattered. So, uh, but the match was good. 
match was solid. I dug it. All right. Oh, well, well, here we go. Here's the string of complete wastes of my life starting. Here we go. I said this before. I will say it again. I am now at the point where WWE has now beaten to death. The tag team wrestling means absolutely nothing anymore. They've beaten me to death. I have officially put down my sword on defending it because they've just beaten me into submission. It's very hard for me to get into tag team wrestling. It was very hard for me to watch this match because it's never going to be taken seriously, despite the talent in the match. Okay. Randy Orton's fantastic. He's been fantastic for a long time. AJ Styles to me is still the greatest wrestler in the business, not just WWE in all of wrestling. I stand by that. Fight me. Um, Riddle in a very specific role in certain feuds will be totally fine. Not only in this company, but basically any company he works in. The shtick is a little old, but he fits in what they're having him do with Randy Orton right now. And believe it or not, Amos is still getting slowly better each time I see him. I don't see him regressing. I don't see him taking leaps and bounds. He's slowly but surely getting better. He was really confident in this match, by the way. He was. He was. And again, it helps when you're tagging with AJ, learning by osmosis about psychology and just how to compose yourself. And let's be honest. Randy Orton does not get enough credit for being able to work with some really challenging opponents. Okay. Randy Orton has gotten somewhat successful matches out of the great Kali where some of his peers have ultimately failed in that department. You're right. And not to mention the matches with Mark Henry are some of the best matches of his entire career. Uh, I've, I've, I've said this before, Randy Orton putting over Mark Henry a bunch of times. Randy Orton putting it, it, it's it's he he helped make Jinder Mahal become a main event guy for a short period of time. Yep, I agree. But let's be honest, this match was eight and a half minutes, and the most recognizable thing out of this entire thing was Matt Riddle coming out on a camel instead of a scooter. Yeah, Great. yeah, because at some point I agree that I can only see so many RKOs out of nowhere on AJ Styles. And I yeah, mean be, that in a good way. Yeah, no, it's it's again, like maybe it's just this feud. Maybe there needs to be some other fresh feud going on. Yeah, I don't know. Brother, um, I've been over this feud for a long time. I mean, I was over this feud like when we got the SummerSlam. Remember, I actually picked AJ and Omos to retain because I'm a dumbass. Like, <laughs> like I've been over this feud. I will give it credit, though, because I thought that the crowd and by the way, it shouldn't come as a surprise because. If you watch the Saudi shows, you know who the most over people are always going to be. It's always going to be the veterans. You know, Randy is always super mega over when they go when they go to Saudi Arabia. Um, Triple H, right? John Cena. Remember when Chris Jericho appeared at number 50 for the greatest Royal Rumble? How that Mm -hmm. crowd went absolutely berserk. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I mean, they went crazy for Brock Lesnar uh, earlier and. so that, that's the sort of people who they love. I mean, hell, they, they go crazy for Goldberg and The Undertaker. So that's my point. Um, but I feel like 
this match was really just uh, it was I wasn't lame. I don't want to be that mean, but it was just a basic tag team match. And I feel like the energy of the crowd, because they love Randy Orton and they love AJ Styles so much, probably helped this match look better than what it actually was. Is that fair to say? Yes, but again, as I prefaced, it's very hard for me to get invested not only in the tag team portion of this company, but just, again, I'm not going to fault the competitors. It's just clearly there's nobody that knows how to book good tag team wrestling, or they're being told no one cares, so don't book it. Just put it against the wall, and we'll just move on because we have belts. Great. Yeah. So, all right. Um. I'm going to be very polite because I feel like I need to be polite for these next couple of segments as much as I despise them. Um, I, I, I just, I could yell a lot more, but I, I just, everybody knows how I feel about this show. Okay. Just, just, just know that for the majority of the rest of this review, these matches will suck in my opinion. And they're a waste of time. And most of them could have been done on television and not here. That being said. When we did our picks, by the way, we got three of the four competitors wrong. You and I picked gender versus Finn Balor in the finals. We got Woods versus Balor in the finals. And you and I confidently picked Carmella versus Shayna Baszler to be in the finals. And instead, we got Zelina Vega versus Dewdrop. Now, I'm not going to get into yet another moment where Shayna Baszler got royally screwed. But I'm not surprised it happened. I'm not. You know why? Because I blame two people for the demise of Shanna Baszler. Two. One of them is Vince McMahon, because at the end of the day, he lost faith in the Shanna Baszler character. And yes, I firmly blame Becky Lynch for beating her in 10 minutes at WrestleMania when she should have dropped the belt instead of giving it to Asuka. You twit. Kiss my ass. What the hell is a twit? <laughs> Would you like me to look up the definition of twit? I'm 32 years old. I've never heard anybody say the word twit before. That's amazing. Hang on. Twit. Is a twit? twit is a silly or foolish person. Similar <laughs> to fool, idiot, halfwit, nincompoop, buffoon, dunce, or dolt. You happy now? It's the best thing about this show by far. Yeah. Twit. <laughs> oh, man, that's good stuff. It's not Becky's fault. But that's good stuff. <laughs> that being said, the Queen's Crown Tournament Finals do drop who, you know, actually has somewhat of an underdog story versus Zelina Vega, who they've done nothing with. And who wins in a six-minute match? The person that has had nothing going for them since she came back. Zelina Vega 
is your queen's crown champion why who cares let's just do something different now okay i'm gonna just i'm gonna be i'm gonna stop you right there because when Zelina beat carmella i was very surprised right when dewdrop beat Shayna, i i nearly lost my crap and i told you Zelina better win this thing and i know i know i know i know she why why weeks ago and why because i cannot stand the dewdrop character the dewdrop okay. character is a disservice to the women's division it is a disservice to piper niven it's a disservice to humanity that character sucks that character is a twit okay how about that's a twit how about uh, okay so first of all it's not piper niven's fault that she's given that character she's doing I'm, the best she can I, again my beef isn't with piper niven oh, my beef oh, is oh, with the oh, and by, that is oh, and by the way, she's also been giving a story instead of just, I don't know, sitting on her ass for four months doing nothing. Well, guess what? The story sucks. So it doesn't really matter. That being said, to me, I would much rather have it be, first of all, a heel as the Queen's crown makes sense. So Zelina Vega winning makes sense. Okay. Two, Zelina what, Vega has... What, go ahead, what, what, what possible person on the roster is it believable that she's going to be? Ross, we have to give this a chance, bro. No, I'm not going to. Which is fine. I'm not going to. But but I would rather take Zelina than see Dewdrop as the queen. I'm sorry. It's not believable. It would suck. I mean, Dewdrop, that character already sucks. So I I don't see the need to see it suck more. You know? To me, Zelina, you can make that work and fit for her character. How? So she's going to come out on TV and wear a crown and cut bad promos? Okay, so here's the thing that you, you and I both know that Zelina does not cut bad promos, Ross. Okay, she's been a she was a great manager for for Andrade. How many how many people how many people have won these tournaments? Come out with a crown and cut bad promos. All of them. I understand that, but but I have to look at this from a whole entire perspective. I would much rather have somebody that I think is way more befitting of their good role, what they're doing with their role well, than have somebody whose gimmick is not working, okay. have it be suck and then give it something even suckier. Okay, what is her role right now? Explain this to me. Zelina? Yes. Zelina's character is that of, first of all, she was taking a backseat to Carmella as a part of her little group and whatnot, and then okay. all of a sudden started to take the group, uh, take the backseat to Sasha when Sasha turned heel when she came back after SummerSlam. Okay. And now she's basically trying to go ahead and prove to everybody that I don't need anybody else. I can do this on my own, which is the reason why the upset over Carmella was such a shocker and be like, I don't need you, Carmella. I got this. Okay. Okay. So she is the underdog, but as a heel. Yeah. I kind of did that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Underdog heels don't work. They're never okay. going to work ever. But guess what doesn't, what, guess what else doesn't work? Do drop. Okay. What the hell were you going to do with Dewdrop as a queen? Okay, look, I'm telling you right now, okay? That character gets sympathy. That character as a babyface works. Not for me. Okay. Which is fine. Well, I know I don't speak for the entirety of, of, of professional wrestling. You, you, want, you want somebody that it's not believable to, for her to basically beat anybody legitimately instead of a bad character. Good to know. Good to know. 
it, I mean, it is about characters. Is it not? Is it not about character development in this business? Okay, so a character that has done Jack for four months is more is more convincing. Okay, we agree to disagree. I move on. And then, oh, <laughs> all right, Jorge, I would like to go one of two routes in this match. Okay. okay. A, I, I know which match we're discussing because okay. if I'm not mistaken, I remember okay. that. A, we can talk about this match and you'll get one version of me. Or B, we can briefly cover this match and we can move on. Well, I mean, I already saw how you're feeling after Dude Drop and Zelina, so I don't know how I feel about you going off that badly on Bill Goldberg. And I, just, I just want an answer, okay? You know what, Ross? I know that you have a lot of vitriol to let out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be a good friend. I'm a good because I'm a good friend and a good co-host. I mm-hmm. consider myself that way. Not to pat myself on the back, but I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna let you. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, let you go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, uh, I I can already tell you right now. I'm vetoing that decision. Vetoing it right now. So you want to skip? All right, fine. I don't care that Goldberg beat Bobby Lashley. It's bull. I don't care that we're in Saudi Arabia where people care about characters from 25 freaking years ago. I don't care. It's crap. You just put the Hurt Business back together. Bobby Lashley was just the champion. And this is what you do? I have have nothing else to say because I agree with you. You know what? I don't care that you decided to, to, to message me. I told you so. Okay. That's patronizing. Kiss my ass. Okay. Kiss it. Don't care. Don't care. So now all this does is it guarantees that you will not be watching WCW 2000 and I will not be watching a TikTok account because guess who picks first the rest of the year? You do. Which means, guess who's not going to differ in any of the picks the rest of the year? This guy. You lose. I win. Guess who covers WCW 2000 on his own on this podcast? I do. You know what Bill Goldberg is? An idiot. Stay at home and stop making money for this terrible pay-per-view. The wrong choice was made. Got it? Any other opinion is wrong. We have the King of the Ring finals, which involved Xavier Woods, another character that's not believable. He beats Finn Balor in a match and becomes King of the Ring. So, okay, let's just put him against Roman Reigns. Yeah, that'll go over well. Just like the Uso brothers wrestling him in singles matches. I told you, I told you the show was going to break me and it has. Because it doesn't get much better after this.
really doesn't, folks. You know, I am so glad that after this year, we will be picking and choosing which pay-per-views we do. Because I am tired of this company not doing what's best for business. You know what I miss? I miss 20-minute authority promos every week. You know what I'd rather do than watch this show or talk about this show? Watch the best of R-Truth. Watch the best of Corporate Kane. (laughs) You know what I'd rather do? I'd rather talk about wrestling that makes me smile, that makes me not go off and hate wrestling life. Because that's what this show is. A dud. You have anything to say about your boy Xavier Woods being king of the ring? He's your boy. No, don't he is. You're Kofi Kingston's boy, so you're definitely Xavier Woods' boy. Okay, I want you to take it easy. Hang on. Hang on. Because you know that I love Xavier Woods. I do. I love X. But when you and I both saw that he beat gender, I was like, oof. I wasn't a big fan of that choice. I, I agreed with you. So don't go ahead and put me in this category where I was like super ecstatic about Xavier Woods winning King of the Ring because to me it made zero difference. On the contrary, I actually told you I bet you it would make a lot more sense if you went with Finn Balor winning the tournament because then you'd call him King Balor instead of the Prince. And I know that sounds like a crappy reason to go ahead and go with somebody to win the King of the Ring tournament. But again, if you want to talk about somebody befitting of the of the character and befitting of the of the gimmick, Finn Balor would make sense. He's the Demon King. That makes sense. A. B. I've talked about how, and you can back me up on this if you want to. I mean, you may have turned off your camera because you wanted to not hear me talk anymore, which is perfectly fine. Um, But I talked and stated, you know, it would be great if X, if, if he does King of the Ring, if he does win King of the Ring, then you have him potentially get, have this get to his head. Have this be an ego trip for him. Have him, you know, be be thinking, oh, I'm on top of the world. Kofi, you are not on my level. And this is how you slowly start to turn Xavier Woods heel, which therefore would mean the absolute destruction of the New Day. I told you that. So now we've reached this point of Xavier Woods has won King of the Ring. Now you have that potential storyline of a New Day breakup if they choose to go that route. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying they won't. I think it's an option. If you do that, giving us the story of Xavier Woods having a heel turn, a memorable heel turn, and actually giving him a memorable singles run could work. I'm not saying it's going to, but it could. It gives new life. It gives a, a breath of fresh air to the character of that is Xavier Woods and having been the third wheel, essentially, of the New Day so far. Do I think it was the right call? Not necessarily. I don't. I really don't. Again, you could have, everything that I just stated about uh, Xavier Woods' heel turn, you could have absolutely done with Finn Balor. Because, Ross, let's be real, okay? And I want you to be completely honest with me, okay? I don't want you to go ahead and, you know, be condescending when I say this. When Finn Balor went back to NXT and he turned heel, was that or was that not one of the better things he's done in his WWE run, yes or no? 
I'll say there are several other people that could have done the exact same thing, gotten the exact same reaction, and we'd be in a much different place with a lot of people in this company. So, yes, okay. if you want me to have a yes or no answer and not have me pull a Senate job where I just absolutely defend something with drivel, the answer is yes. It was good for him to go back to NXT. Continue. Okay. I wasn't trying to get the fact that it was good for him to go to NXT. I'm just saying that that was the right move because when he went to NXT, that, oh, well, if you're going to send him back, that's probably what you should do. So that worked. So why not try that on the main roster? Because there was a few, a couple of years ago where they hinted towards Balor going a little bit heelish, especially when the club was still around. Remember AJ got traded over to SmackDown. So Gallows and Anderson were still on raw and Balor was still on raw. And all of a sudden they started teaming together and there was kind of some heelish things going on with, with Finn Balor. And people were starting to kind of dig it. They're like, Oh, Balor might be going heel. He might be the prince is coming back, the real prince, Prince Devitt. And so that was kind of what he did in NXT. Why not have done that with him winning King of the Ring and actually bring out the full, the full here character? I watched this match, Ross, just like you did. Did you not notice that Finn Balor essentially very much played the heel role in this match? Or was that the, was I the only person to notice that? Yeah, no. So, of course, this is a babyface, babyface match. They shook hands at the beginning, which whatever, corny. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have a babyface, babyface match, one of them is going to work heel. So because X was going to win the match and they decided to go that route, they just had Finn Balor work heel, which, by the way, uh, he has done very successfully when being a heel character. Insert insert basically all of his work with the Bullet Club in New Japan. Uh, insert his work when he was hanging out with uh, Gallows and Anderson. Insert um, his last NXT run before he turned face yep, again. Exactly. So yeah. I mean, he he has experience doing that, and his his objective in this match was to put Xavier Woods over. So. Right. Which is again totally fine. But I'm just saying, heelish tendencies can go either way in these two particular characters. Either A X can go heel by letting it by making himself egotistical or B because Ballard can't seem to win a big one. Maybe this is what pushes him over to be a heel on Monday night raw. Now that he's getting moved over. You never know. You never know. It'll be very interesting to see. Uh, but I agree with you. I think this was the, the wrong call. I don't think it should have been Xavier Woods in the King of the ring finals. And I know that there are, there are a lot of people out there. And by the way, again, I love Xavier Woods, but I don't want to call him my boy because I wasn't rooting for him to win this tournament. That's not fair. I don't care if it's fair. Your your boy is Kofi Kingston, so he's your boy by proxy. So deal with it. You know, I really, really wanted something to brighten up this pay-per-view for me. I really did. Because up to this point, I had seen a wonderful Hell in a Cell match. I saw... An acceptable Mansoor Mustafa, or sorry, Mustafa Ali, excuse me. Again, acceptable. And uh, other than that, garbage. And then I got my hopes up. Big E was defending his WWE championship against Drew McIntyre. I will describe this match in one word. Empty. Empty. 
First of all, it was only given 13 minutes. That's nonsense in itself. Second of all, the story they told, not a very good story. Because at the end of the day, they have the same problem they have on SmackDown that they have on Raw, which is they have a champion and not really a whole lot of viable challengers to challenge them, which ends up being a problem when you don't do a good job of building people. I was expecting a lot more out of this match. I actually expected this to be a really good match. And what I got was a very average match. Um, look, Biggie and Drew have pretty decent chemistry together. They work pretty well together. Neither of them did anything offensive in this match. I just expected this to be a lot better, which for me means it's just empty. And unfortunately, when you have a match in which there is 0% chance of one person winning, you don't really get invested because that's the problem with that's one of the many problems with WWE is they only do title changes on certain pay-per-views. And again, this goes back to if you want to make the Saudi shows matter, there there are certain things you have to do differently and they don't have the balls to do it. I am not suggesting that Drew McIntyre should have won this match. I'm not suggesting that. What I am saying is I need to be able to have my suspension of disbelief about Drew McIntyre essentially needing to kind of turn to the dark side at this point because this whole baby face thing for him, he's been doing since like early 2020 it's time and i needed to see more out of what this match can mean for both guys because if the end result is well biggie keeps his championship and drew mcintyre just does nothing then this match once again feels empty if we get a rematch next month no one's gonna care so again Honestly, I keep with my theme of this match to me was empty. It existed. This could have happened on a television show and not at this pay-per-view, which really isn't a pay-per-view. It's, well, remember, it used to be called a network special, which, by the way, I'm just going to blast this right now. Peacock sucks. It's terrible. Give me the network back. It was a million times better with all of its flaws. And I got to watch anything I wanted. Terrible. That being said, I was hoping for this match to pick me up from the sewage that I had watched for most of this pay-per-view, and it just didn't deliver for me. So it existed. And Big E keeps the title, which, again, whatever. I move on. You know, for a person who I know for a fact is a really big beat Big E fan, I'm I'm it surprises me more and more every podcast to hear you feel like you're not enjoying this Big E run. It's kind not, it's kind of been boring to me. 
It's a, I mean, that's sad to hear. That That is sad to hear. And I'm not going to go ahead and ask you to elaborate because I know that you've elaborated in the past and I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste your breath because I know you want to get to the triple threat and probably either like just completely annihilate everything that that stood for or you might surprise me and actually say that was a great match with a crappy ending or you're going to go ahead and say that Brock versus Roman was the best thing you've ever seen even though it ended in a totally not great way. So I will tell you that I thought this was easily, I shouldn't say easily because I, I, I'm going to defend this pay-per-view and actually say that this was the second best match on the card to me. I thought that it wasn't empty. I thought that there was um, two alpha dogs, one of them being the alpha dog for longer. And then the other one finally got to alpha dog status after years of trying to get to alpha dog status and be like, I am the alpha dog too. And I'm about to go ahead and run over you alpha dog. And we're going to have to wait and see what happens. This match was tremendous. This match had pace. This match, yeah, you might say it was 13 minutes and it could have gone longer. I was okay with it going with 13, going 13 minutes, Ross, because the one thing about that I recognize sometimes is can Biggie and Drew McIntyre go for like 25 minutes? Of course they can. Of course they can. But I like it when the two big hosses like it's impactful, it's fast paced, it's, it's, you know, physical. And when it ends in like between 13 to 15 minutes, that tells me the reason why it ended was because somebody hit a massive shot, you know, like this was a battle of heavyweights. I know that people are going to say the same thing about Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, but this particular match was a battle of the heavyweights. Um, Biggie brought it, Drew McIntyre brought it, Story t- storytelling was there. Um, the fact that Biggie kicked out of a out of a Claymore kick is pretty impressive because not everybody gets out of the Claymore. Um, Biggie had to hit two big endings in order to finish it. One of them he reversed it off of the ropes into the big ending, which I thought was great. Very, very similar to when the Undertaker would flip somebody over to go ahead and hit a tombstone. I always liked that move. It's always really impressive to me. Um, oh, the the um, hamstring stretch. Remember that what Brock used to call the Brock lock. Big E did that in this match to Drew McIntyre, and I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! That's a submission move. I want to go ahead and see somebody use a lot more often these days." And all of that, the crowd being heavily into it. You know, um, Drew McIntyre is still really over. Big E is incredibly over, and uh, <laughs> the ch- the crowd chanting one more time to another claim more. Me knowing the fact that it's not the fact that they hate Biggie, they just love the Claymore kick. I was t- I was perfectly fine with that. Um, there's not much more for me to say. I thought that this was a really, really good WWE Championship match. Um, I don't think that the Biggie WWE title reign has been boring whatsoever. This is literally his second opponent of the entire reign. So I, I guess I can't see where you're coming from when you say that it's boring, but I'll respect it because I don't want to, I don't want to besmirch anything you're saying, of course, but uh, I'm just going to kindly disagree and tell you, I don't think that it's been boring. And I thought that this was the second best match on the card. Well, that's my honest opinion. Big E remains your WWE champion. Oh, then this bundle of joy match happened. The triple threat for the WWE SmackDown Women's 
championship. <sighs> okay. So. Um, I'm going to tell you right now that the wrong person's the champion. I've said that when they brought her back and beat her competitor in 20 seconds. And I still think that now the wrong person's the champion because they're trying to do the same gimmick and make her a heel and it's being rejected. And you have another competitor that they're clearly very high on that either got pushed too soon or I, I honestly don't know. And then there's the third option, which is just kind of there because she's in the middle of another feud that kind of got derailed with somebody else that's in this match that just kind of exists. So what do you want me to say other than this is once again, another decision of WWE not having the balls to do what's right. Well, okay. I'll, I'll give you a pass on the balls of not doing what's right on Bobby Lashley and Bill Goldberg, even though I picked Goldberg, because I agree with you that Lashley should have absolutely gone over on Goldberg. I just went with Goldberg because WWE doesn't have the balls to not put them over. Mm -hmm. You picked Bianca Belair to win this match, sure whom did. I have grown to love. I've grown to appreciate. I think that she's done an exceptional job and com massive congratulations to her on being the number one in the top 10 PWI for the women's this year. Massive congratulations. Even though I will thoroughly admit that if it would have been Deanna Perrazzo, I would have also been very happy about that. I don't think that Deanna Perrazzo should be number three. I think she should be two personally and Britt Baker should be three, but I know that the person that is two is really, really over with a lot of people. So that's where I have to say that. I don't understand how you can sit there and tell me that the wrong person won when the person that you picked is going to the same show that the person that I picked is going to. So either which way that SmackDown women's title isn't going to raw yet. So what the heck? That doesn't make any sense to me, to be honest with you. I understand your your dislike for the character that is Becky Lynch. I fully understand that. Okay, and I, and I'm and I'm not going to knock you for it because I know that there's a lot of people out there who don't like the man character or big time Bex how she's going now and any of that stuff. I get that, and that's fully understandable. And I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and stand here like I did all of 2019 and all of 2020 and basically kissed Becky's shoes and say that she's the greatest thing since sliced bread because a I never said that. I've just been a really big Becky fan, and there was no reason for me to turn on her because I just enjoyed and appreciated the fact that she was finally up at the top spot that I knew she, she would be at. Okay. That's, that's, that's all that I have to say. Explain to me though, Ross, how you're okay with Bianca taking that same title that doesn't belong on the show that she's going to and taking it over there. But then the heel that's also going to that same show is taking the title. That's also going to the wrong show. So what is the difference? Okay. I will counter you with another question. 
how much sense does it make for a character that you believe in that you're pushing to lose to a person coming off of maternity leave in 25 seconds she won via a cheap shot doesn't which care is what doesn't matter the Do- doesn't matter doesn't matter doesn't matter if wwe wanted to go about this right then they would have just put the belt on sasha banks that's what probably would have made the most sense considering that she is still on smackdown okay well here's here's the problem with that okay and i'm not going to say it on this show but you know why they're not going to put the belt on her you know why i i i'm aware of that. which again is also bs it's rumors, but I understand where you're coming from. No, no. I know what you're it's, saying. It's, it's, it's basically fact. But okay. So, yeah. Uh, wrong person won. Rumor, yeah. Don't really care. Well, you're right. The wrong person won. But the person that you picked would have still also be the, would have been the same, the, the wrong person to have won. And that stopped, the, and that stopped WWE before when? I, okay. I understand that. I, I understand. I'm just trying to go ahead and prove a point. That you're just mad because Becky won. No, I'm it not mad at made, that. Because mad to at, me, it wouldn't have made sense Bianca winning. I'm mad Bianca at the, winning doesn't make any sense. I'm mad at the fact that you literally picked her over everyone else in the division and you don't push her. She, she had the whole summer. Bro, she went over on everybody the entire summer. Uh-huh. So why is she, she not? Just, a, not only did she, so, why, so why does she not still have the belt? Aren't you the person that says, what is the plan? Mm-hmm. Don't you think that basically the plan, that was the plan up until now, and now they're creating a brand new plan? Yeah, it's a terrible plan. It's a terrible plan. I'm sorry, Becky Lynch being at the top of the women's division doesn't seem like a bad plan. To me. No, it's terrible. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me give you an example, okay? If I'm the most over person in the company, okay, I yeah. leave for a year uh-huh. plus. I'll just say a year, just whatever, a year, okay? okay? I come back. You're going to make me hated heel, and you change nothing other than I did a cheap shot in a match and won a belt in 25 seconds. That's your plan? Sorry. It's terrible. And I'm not going to buy it. So tell you what, let me know when a good plan arises with this whole situation, then I'll give a damn until then. um, I can tell you right now that Bianca and Sasha carried this match. Anyway, you can laugh all you want. It's the truth. You know who else also agrees with me? Go ahead. Tell me. I'd love to know. You know who. If you're, if, who? Go ahead, tell me. I, I, I'd love to know who. You know who. There's three people that are coming in my mind right now. Okay. It's One probably- of them is actually a journalist. Okay. And then two of them are friends of ours that are, that can, that are really great at trolling the both of us. Okay. So of the three, which one do you think it is? It's probably the journalist that I detest the most. And which journalist would this be? 
I don't, I, I don't feel like I want to mention his name right now, but if it is Meltzer, if you think that if Meltzer thinks that Becky didn't help with this match carrying it and that it was only carried by Sasha and by Bianca, he's got another thing coming because that's absolute horse crap and everyone knows it and everyone knows it. Kudos to, uh, kudos to the uh, person that agrees with me on this point. So shout out to you. We, uh, we, we now, uh, by the way, it's not Meltzer. So good job. Not guessing that right. Uh, so whoever it is, is wrong. <laughs> that was, uh, that was, that was 19 and a half minutes of my life. I'll never get back. So thanks WWE for once again, doing the wrong thing. So it's okay. It's okay. Everybody. You just, you just side shifted WCW 2000 to me. So it'll be great. And then it's main event time. Roman Reigns defending his Universal Championship against Brock Lesnar. I feel like I have to do that every time because, well, I've turned the corner on Brock Lesnar. I know. And uh, I'll start with the negatives. Okay. Okay. The tug of war with the belt thing was terrible. I think that was a callback to the 2015 promo. Okay. I'm not saying that that's the right call, but I think that's kind of what it was. You do realize that in the entirety of their feud, that is literally the worst callback you could have had. Not disagreeing with you. Okay. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just letting you know that's what it remind, reminisced of. I was like, okay. oh, they're doing the little tug of war right before WrestleMania 31. Not yeah. a good look. Carry yeah. on. Not it, it was it was it was terrible. Okay. Now. I said this before I said before I knew this was taking place in Saudi. I said, this has the potential of being their best match. I said that you did say that. Yes, you did. Then it was announced. It was in Saudi. And then you I, went back on it a little bit. Okay. It's not that I went back. It's the fact of, I think I get a pass because sure. the Saudi shows are not like any other show. WWE does the rest of the year. Okay, can I can I just mention one rebuttal with that? Sure. I don't think you were wrong though. Okay, so I'm I'm getting there. Okay, which fair is enough. which is here's here's the thing. Okay, what did I mention earlier in this show about the next six months of Roman Reigns? The rumor is that the match against The Rock is not happening. It's not happening at, at, at thirty eight. At, at thirty eight. Okay, so. If that is 1,000% true, which, by the way, is not the case, I'm saying if it is, and yeah. they know that, and they're planning for it not to be that, then you have to make sure that whatever you do with Roman Reigns at 38 is worthy of being the main event of that show. And, and by the way, 38, we do not know if it's going to be two nights or if it's going to be 12 hours, okay? <laughs> we, shame, we don't know <laughs> because they've not told us. Right. I really do believe that WWE has stumbled into something that's fantastic. And I think inevitably they're going to screw it up and they're going to go back to doing one night and it's going to be the Super Bowl on steroids, which is we're going to be sitting here for nine hours watching one show. Right. And, and I think that's a huge mistake. That being said, I, I would, I would, I would agree with that. 
that being said, two nights of four hours is still a lot, but at least it's a little more consumable. It's more broken out. It's more. Yeah. I say all of that to say this. Okay. This match was given 12 minutes. Okay. I am not suggesting this should have gone 25 minutes. I'm not saying, because first of all, a match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar doesn't need to go that long. You can tell a very good story in 12 minutes. This match was the first match in which Roman Reigns was the heel and Brock Lesnar was the babyface. Definitively. Say what you want. Roman was getting booed and Brock was getting cheered. Blah, blah, blah. No. Brock was always the heel. Roman was always the babyface until this match. So the first thing I looked for is how Brock Lesnar is going to perform in the main event as a babyface. Okay. After 19 months off, by the way. Not only after 19 months off, but also because he really hasn't been the overt babyface in a long time. In a long time. Like, we're talking like when SmackDown Here Comes the Pain the was fist. a video game. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The last time Brock Lesnar was the actual babyface in a feud, you have to go back to the year 2003. Because Say what you want in 2015, where he got turned on by, you know, Seth Rollins cashing in and he went on this like baby face run, but it wasn't a real baby face run. It was just a more monster baby face who just happened to be wrestling the most hated guy in the world. And then, you know, Brock has always been treated as he's a legend who's always going to get a pop no matter what he does. That's the reason why the Undertaker matches in 2015 are split right down the middle because you've got the Brock fans and you got the Taker fans and it was just a great match overall. But was that the uh was that also the two of them? Was that the biker chain match in 2003? The biker chain man the biker chain match was 2003, their hell in a cell match was 2002. Okay. So which I believe Taker was a heel in both of those matches. No, actually, um, uh, uh, Undertaker was the babyface in 03 for sure. And I'm, I believe, yeah, and, and Brock was still a heel in 2002 because he was still at the beginning of his WWE title run. Because if you remember... Wait, wait, hold Brock on, turned, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I, thought, sure, yeah. I thought Undertaker was still big evil. Was he American Badass in 2003? He was American Badass because you remember in 2002, he turned babyface when he faced the Un-Americans, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken. After, after he lost the Undisputed Championship. And so in 02, him and Brock had their first t- series of matches where the first one ended by like double disqualification. They had their Hell in a Cell match. Brock turns babyface after Survivor Series when Paul teams up with the big show. And then he Brock turned heel oh, the following year yeah. after, beating, uh, after beating Kurt. And then Taker challenged him again and they had that biker chain match. But Again, Taker was still a babyface. So, yeah. I totally forgot that they went with Big Show, WWE champion at Survivor Series with Paul Heyman for a month. For a month. Mm-hmm. I totally, that was, was that Flat Top Big Show? Uh, didn't he have, yeah, I think he had like the mutton chops, right? He had the mutton chops and he no. had like, and he, and, he had, and he had the crew cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was before he shaved his head. This is like a couple of years before he yes. shaved his head. Yes, okay. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. why why i remember that of all things i don't know but yeah that was that was when Heyman pulled the ref out and there's that 
It's that very That's famous. Right. It's that very famous gif of the look. Uh, yes, it's it's it, it is the Paul Heyman look. When yeah, he, exactly. You know what he, he's talking about. When he saw the ponytail. Exactly. Which 100%. is funny because Brock has a ponytail now. And he's he does have a ponytail. He's he's as creepy as ever. Um it's Mountain Mountain Man Brock. Can't Mount, hear Mountain Man Brock. So if the objective I know we've swayed in and out, but I really want to end on a bright note because I've had a lot of anger tonight, folks. And let me just tell you, this was the other really good match for me. Um, I had my doubts. I really did have my doubts, but I had a feeling I was like, you know what? If they're really going to do this right, which is babyface Brock versus heel Roman Reigns, if they're going to do this right, then Brock's going to do the right thing because he knows that at the other side or at at the other end of this rainbow is something even better. And there were shenanigans, which again, it's Roman Reigns. It's the bloodline. It's the head of the table. It's all the other nonsense that goes with it in the best way possible. Right. And Brock was made to look like the guy that had to overcome all the odds they made. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I cannot believe they're going to, that I'm saying this. They made Brock Lesnar, the sympathetic hero. Yeah. You said it. I know. Wasn't it great? It's remarkable. Okay. How so- much they made Brock Lesnar the sympathy figure. It was great. It's incredibly well done. I know. And it helps when you have the greatness that is Roman. Yeah. You have the Usos getting involved. And guess what? Paul Heyman is pretty much brilliant in everything he does. And he, and he just completes this so perfectly Uh that, that I'm telling you, whatever their plan is for this feud It's probably going now. There are a few things they can do to screw this up a few. Like if they keep doing the same finish over and over again, it'll, it'll kill it. I agree. And I'm going to say one more thing and then I will let you launch because I know I've talked a lot. If rock versus Roman is not the plan for 38, I am here to tell you right now. Their backup plan better be Brock Lesnar. I'm serious. Yeah, but if the backup, no, I agree with no, you. No, 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 be, backup... because yeah. because here's the thing. Okay, yeah. right now at this very moment, October 21st or 22nd when this drops, at this very moment, they have no one else. I know, I know. they have no one else that's going to pop that main event. I know. I then 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 Brock versus Roman. Now, they yeah. a lot of things can change. A lot of things can change. And there's a lot of time for them to screw this up or make this great. But if your plan is to do this again whenever it is, I'm all for it. Go ahead. Sure. Well, so you talked about Paul, you know, his great story to me it peaked when he threw the title in the middle of the ring and he just was like somebody take it that was basically his reaction right that was like 
Paul, what are you doing? What, what, what are you, where, where are you going to Paul? You know, and that was great. That was great storytelling because again, as much as this is about Roman Reigns being unstoppable, nobody can touch him. Nobody's on his level. This is also a, the, the story of Paul Heyman is really struggling mentally and emotionally because he decided to side with Roman. However, under the impression that Brock wasn't coming back for a while. Well, that while is up, you know? And where do your allegiances lie? So as much crap as I'm going to give the tug of war with the Universal Championship, it made sense to me, okay? It made sense. One, two, Roman flying will never get old. Never get old. It is one of the best. It was actually, it made it so great that, because Ross, we have to admit, because he's been a heel for the last year plus, his high flyingness just doesn't happen anymore, right? It's ground and pound destruction. I'm going to kill you and you're going to like it sort of stuff. So to see the Roman Reigns heel character have to force himself to take flight, to take down Brock Lesnar, I was like, oh my goodness. Roman is literally having to pull out all the stops. And it still wasn't enough. Another thing that I loved about this match, which I know it's a Brock Lesnar match, so it makes sense that we would even go here, but it's the small things. Roman, it was really John Cena, but it was Roman who put Suplex City on the map, right? Everybody remembers WrestleMania 31, him taking 10 suplexes in a span of like nine minutes or something disgusting like that. Right? We had Paul Heyman at ringside counting them out out loud for San Francisco or for, I should say, um, Santa Clara to hear. Right? Definitely heard it all over TV. So to see Roman Reigns be running for his life to avoid those German suplexes, again, itty bitty details of the story that just perked me. Okay? I'm not going to say that this was the best match in their feud. I'm going to easily tell you, however, Ross, I think that this was the second best match of their entire feud. Because this wasn't better than WrestleMania 31. It just wasn't. But that's not to besmirch what happened tonight. I think what happened tonight was something different, was something that was well needed in the sense of a baby-faced Brock Lesnar. It was really seeing a heel Roman Reigns be in peril because we've seen it a little bit with Edge we saw it a little bit with Daniel Bryan. We saw it a little bit with John Cena. We saw it a little bit with Cesaro. But this was like Roman Reigns absolutely crapping his pants because he was in the middle of the ring with Mountain Man Brock. And Mountain Man Brock is the one that takes no prisoners. Like, Roman doesn't take any prisoners. Brock takes negative prisoners. Like, he'll kill you if you're already dead. And so... To see that happening, to see the storytelling that was being told, it made all the sense in the world. And I was all for it. Um, I believe Top Dollar from Hit Row posted up this tweet. I believe it was him because I retweeted it. And he said, I'm going to paraphrase it. You know that Roman versus Brock is still hot when it's getting the same or an even bigger reaction than it did six years ago. I couldn't agree with him more. I could not agree with him more because he absolutely hit that to a T. We all remember 2015 and thinking to ourselves, that was the peak of what was Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And we are here six and a half years later, Ross. And we are literally watching it from a Saudi show. And the Saudi crowd is going hot. So, okay, 
you mentioned something which I would have agreed with you two weeks ago and even a week ago. And then having watched it tonight, I'm going to go ahead and say it in a different way. You mentioned the fact that when you saw that it was a Saudi show that you were going to have to be given a pass. But because it was the Saudi show, Ross, I'm here to say that this was probably the best crowd for that match. Because if this happens in a place like New York City, okay, where the crowd can be smarky sometimes. Now, who knows? Maybe they would have actually rooted for Brock Lesnar one of the few times that they're actually going to root for the real babyface in this match, right? They could have done it. Philly could have done it. Chicago could have done it. LA could have done it, right? But we saw, to me, the real reaction with it happening in Saudi Arabia because you knew that for a fact they were going to root for the real babyface. So to say that perhaps Saudi Arabia was a detriment to what this match perhaps was, I'm not going to necessarily say that that was the case. I'm going to say that I think that this is perhaps the right formula for that match. Now, that being said, if you give us the quote unquote rematch, which would then be match number six in this feud. But if you give us that at WrestleMania, I hope that the crowd is still reacting the same way. Because I think that's really important. I think that's what made this match really great. Because I think what's really hurt these matches over the over the years, Ross, with the exception of WrestleMania 31, is the terrible crowd reactions that we have gotten because people are were so anti-Roman Reigns. And they were like, oh my God, we've seen this match a million times, even though the rematch at WrestleMania 34 was literally their second one-on-one encounter, right? Because you, we, you and I, we watched that live, brother. WrestleMania 34, they trashed on that main event for no particular reason. And then Brooklyn trashed on that event at SummerSlam, on that main event at SummerSlam for no particular reason. So who's to say that WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, they're not going to trash on that main event for no particular reason, just because they're going to be like, oh my God, it's Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns again. Instead of realizing what we're seeing is two of the greatest of all time and one of the better feuds that have been told over the last decade with the roles completely reversed and in us having to ask ourselves, what is WWE actually going to do? Are they going to pull the trigger and have it be Brock Lesnar? And not to mention, if you give it to Brock Lesnar, and I know that we're like six months ahead, right? But I have to ask this question. If you give the title to Brock Lesnar, is he actually going to be there a lot? Because you can't give it to a babyface Brock Lesnar and him not be there a lot. Then 2018 and 2017 happens all over again, and that's a bad thing for WWE. So we don't know what Brock's doing. Which probably makes it even more intriguing, to be honest with you. Because um, he's out of the uh, he's out of the UFC testing thing. So he's not going back there. So I mean, it really comes down to if he wants to if he wants to wrestle or if he wants to just sit home. And the answer could be that he wants to, you know, put Roman over and go home. That might be the case. But what I'm saying is, because I said this before about the rock, which is if you have the rock, you do that match. If you don't, you better have something else. Good. When when Brock came back, that crowd went ape. Okay, yeah, that crowd went nuts. Pat McAfee lost his mind. He's like, "Oh my gosh, Brock Lesnar's back!" Like something's going down. Leave his 
I believe his words were on the following SmackDown. Brock Lesnar looks like he ate Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yes. So my response is, if you do it right, it will work. If you just uh-huh. do three rematches between now and WrestleMania, yes, that crowd will crap all over it, and they will hate it, and they will turn on it. Right. So in the meantime, for the next few months you have lots of other people that roman can wrestle for the title yeah and whether or not brock is around or not then you can tell whatever story you want for instance okay you can have brock go away until the royal rumble He can show up in the Royal Rumble. He can eliminate some people. And then Roman Reigns is like, oh, no, this ain't happening. And he and the Usos and whatever can all just go in the ring and just get him out of the match. Ha, ha, ha. You're not you're not wrestling me for the title because you're not winning this Royal Rumble. I know how that story's going to go. And then you just tell the story of. Now, Roman's just chugging along, chugging along. And then all of a sudden, WrestleMania season comes up and he goes, why is Brock Lesnar here? I thought he was out of my life. Why is he coming for my title again? And you build up the fact, you know, of everything else that goes on. I'm telling you, if you do it right, Brock versus Roman is going to work. They, I, But again, well, Ross, I have no faith that WWE is going to do it right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I shouldn't have any faith that they're going to do it right. I just don't see any other circumstance of any other opponent besides The Rock working. I just don't. So to close up shop on the match, I will simply say this. The story that they told is not the finale. It isn't. Right. It's act one. I expect there to be an act two. And then I expect there to be an act three. That doesn't mean we're getting three matches. I'm saying I expect this story to play itself out correctly. Because there are occasions where WWE gets things right. Occasions. And this match, for the story it was told on this show, was the right call. Brock was not going to beat him. And Roman was probably not going to beat him clean, which he didn't. So there's an out. Brock didn't lose clean. And Roman didn't beat him clean. Yeah. Brock Lesnar hit this, uh, hit the first F5 before uh, referee Charles Robinson went down because Brock hit two mm-hmm. F5s, if I'm not mistaken. That first so. F5, brother, I don't know about you. Boy, howdy, that Roman just timed that perfectly. Did he not? Like, you know how you and I have talked about in the past that if we feel that this new generation of wrestlers, they kind of, they're counting the cadence and not Mm -hmm. popping their arm up with, you know, like on instinct, they just, Mm -hmm. they're literally counting it and it makes it seem like they're just not trying. Mm -hmm. Roman has fixed that at least for himself. And I've noticed it over the last couple of years, but I really, really noticed it over the last like seven or eight months where it legitimately looks like he's going to lose that match. And then he pops that shoulder right up. And I'm like, 
Oh, Roman has perfected and mastered the art of the kickout in a way that Kurt Angle did it. That's Kurt that's Angle actually perfect. That's actually the guy I was going to mention, which is, yep. um, and actually another guy which also made their feud excellent. Another guy that's got excellent timing on that is Shawn Michaels. A hundred percent. But again, uh, I would and have Triple told H, by the way. I would have told Roman, hey, you want to get better at this? Uh, watch Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels matches from not only their feud, but the majority of that run in the mid-2000s. I agree with you 1,000%. And so, no. and, and by the way, Brock has always excelled on being able to go ahead and kick out where you're like, oh my God, how did Brock Lesnar kick out of that? You know, which, is, which is funny because Brock's normally not in those circumstances. No, he's not. But when you see him like almost... Like, oh, he, Brock's going to lose and he kicks right out. You're like, oh, sweet Lord. It really gets mm -hmm. the blood flowing. And so because Roman has perfected his storytelling skills, that's the key. Roman perfected his storytelling skills. Do you know how hard that is, Ross? That's normally really freaking hard, man. Well, look, there's a reason why most of the guys that are big stars in this business are not young guys. Yeah, there's, there's a reason for that. I agree. And there's Roman a reason. Is a megastar. No, no. And look, here's the thing. So how old is how old is Roman Reigns? Uh, 35. OK. It took him a while to get to where he is. Uh -huh. OK. For all those people that crapped over all these different organizations that would bring in the old guys. You know what the old guys have that most of the young guys don't have? timing not only timing but they have the thing that you can't teach experience yeah again there are probably a handful of guys that are under i won't say under 30 because i think that's not enough credit 33 34 35 somewhere in there there's uh -huh. not many guys that are younger than that they're at that level. I agree with you 1,000%. There's a reason why Roman Reigns is on this level right now. There's a reason why, to give credit where credit is due, why Kenny Omega is on this level right now. Uh, dude, that, yeah. how, many, how many guys? Okay, how, okay, so we've got AJ. He's not young. Roman, he's not young. Jericho, he's not young. Definitely not. Omega, he's not young. Orton, he's not young. Cena, he's not young. How much crap did people give guys like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and all these older veteran guys that were ruling the roost for a while? And they were all old. And guess what? They all got it. Yep. Because it's true. Oh, 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 also, let me throw in there. Edge, not an old yeah. guy. Uh, no. how, how, old, how old is Seth Rollins? Uh, he's a year younger than Roman is. So, okay. So 34. Yeah. Okay. So, by, you, by the way, Christian and for what it's worth, Daniel Bryan, of sure. course, who's sure. right in his, who's like 36, 37. So he's just as old as Kenny Omega. Mm -hmm. And for all the crap that you've given him, CM Punk. Well, okay. Let's, let's have him not disappear for 9 billion years and actually cut promos and be in feuds that I actually care about. But yes. Yes, when when, when he was at his peak 10 years ago, how old was he 10 years ago? 
31. Okay, so that's an exception. Okay. You know who else is an exception for a guy that gets it? That is a star that I have no idea why the hell they haven't done anything with him. MJF. The guy gets it. Can I ask you a question he about MJF? Clearly gets it. Can I ask you a question about MJF? Sure. I'm going to be completely honest. And I know that he's probably breaking K or just, you know, he's in kayfabe mode when mm-hmm. he says this, but I'm just going to be real. I can absolutely hit, see him as being one of the few AEW guys who makes the jump over to WWE. So here's what I will tell you. If they don't do something, okay, here's what I will say, okay? Tony Khan can outbid Vince McMahon. Okay? Okay. Ted Turner can out could have outbid Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is not a kingmaker anymore. Okay? Sure. If MJF wants to make big money, he does not have to go to WWE. He doesn't. And and here's the other thing, okay? I guarantee you, Vince McMahon is never going to let him be the MJF character. He's going to make him be whatever he wants him to be. How many guys have gotten over in other companies with one gimmick that's worked over several years, over several iterations, they get to WWE and it's bastardized. I could name 10 guys that happens to MJF has to know that that's going to happen. If he goes to WWE, he's in a much better place being in a company that clearly values him. Now, do I think they've booked him correctly? No. Do I think that there are a lot of things that they're wasting their time with on that show with a lot of different people? Yeah, they are. But for the time being, all we were talking about in this conversation was guys and their experience and how much they really are the full package when it comes to getting it. And he's one of the exceptions of of the younger guys that gets it. That is the, which is again, why you see all these guys that are, on the older side that are at the top. Yep. I, and I wasn't trying to go ahead and say that. I don't think that Tony Khan would pay him, but I'm sure Tony Khan will pay him. Uh, the reason why I reacted with the whole, Oh, Tony Khan can outbid. He can he some command. I, I know I'm referring to his dumbass tweets from, from Friday. That's why I rolled my eyes. I, 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 I once again, will reiterate the statement. I tell you all the time when it comes to social media, You just, you, you, you can't take the Twitterverse seriously, dude. Oh, I know. I know. It, it's, look, I get that they're happy that they won one demo, okay? Who cares? Oh, really? I, I, know you, really? I know you read what I wrote. Ra- really? read what I wrote. Yeah, I understand that, but here's the thing, okay? AEW is just reacting to the fact that WWE doesn't see them as competition when they clearly believe that they are. So it, it, it's, it's, it's very evident with the fact that they counter-program all the time. So it's, it, look, I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm simply saying they're happy. They're, look, you want to know how you want to change the wrestling business? You have to get out of this echo chamber of the same 2 million people watching the show. Period. Talk to AEW. 
tell that to WWE. I'm just saying we can't go ahead and criticize WWE for, you know, having the same two and a half million people watching them. Same 1.1 million people are watching Dynamite. I, but the same. But that's what I'm saying. It's it's the yeah. same group of people that are watching. They're not gaining new growing. fans. They're not I growing. I agree. So that that's how we off ramped from two of the older guys in the business headlining a pay-per-view that I thought sucked that you liked. So in recap, I thought there were two good matches. We are now tied in the standings. And also you had some breaking news because I didn't know this was happening. Why is TLC not happening? Oh, so my understanding is, and it's, it's a big rumors, but WWE seems to have a show planned for the first of the year. Okay. of 2022 and so because of that they're um kicking out um yeah because the set because january 2nd falls on a sunday and january 1st falls on a friday uh Sat- saturday excuse me so it seems like the plan is to perhaps do this wwe day one show i think is what it's called or something like that okay that's what I, that's what i've heard so far all right well um great let's uh let's see here (sighs) okay there is crown jewel the next event i see is survivor series yep happening all the way from brooklyn and day one is happening on january the first and then the royal rumble is i believe four weeks after that yeah because they plan it every year for the week the between week the championship games and the Super Bowl. That's right. So the week of the Pro Bowl and yeah. the NHL All-Star Weekend, which I don't know if that's actually going to be the same weekend this year because now they have a full season, which thank God pro sports are back. Um, by the way, as a quick check-in, because I haven't actually talked about this yet, my Los Angeles Dodgers are up 7-2 to two in the eighth inning. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I think Chris Taylor has homered twice. He is, uh, he's, he's massive. So um, if that holds up, uh, we have a series again. It's three to two. So, um, okay. So um, here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, spoiler alert, this is how this is going to go. We have one more pay-per-view in our picks. It is Survivor Series. Whatever Jorge picks, I'm picking the exact same because we're tied and that's how we're ending the year. (laughs) So guess what? Um, Technically, that will be a show that we do, um, but that will be the last picks of the year. Well, actually, hold on for one second, Ross. Mm -hmm. What if let's say we do tie? I mean, let's say let's say that um, Survivor Series. Just listen. Just listen to me. Hold on. Let's say survivor series you we do end up tied because you you choose to go the route of like instead of picking you with your heart you try you choose to go with your brain and you follow my lead so you can go ahead and stay tied with me instead of trying to beat me which is fine you can play for the tie instead of playing for the win i'm not gonna i'd do the same i just did that um what if aew pulls out one not a pay-per-view because obviously we know they're not going to do a pay-per-view after full gear but what if they decide to do like a one of the big special dynamites or something like that and what if they have a good card and you and I decide that we use that as a tiebreaker? I'm sorry. Say your idea for tiebreaker again. 
so I, I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, if AEW were to do like a special version of Dynamite before the year the year ends, they mm-hmm. make a Dynamite very pay per view quality. Mm-hmm. And you and I use that as a uh, we use that as a uh, tiebreaker. Uh yeah, no, I'm sorry. Crown Jewel has Crown Jewel has ruined me. So congratulations, whatever you pick at Survivor Series, I mirror. It is a tie. You don't have to watch WCW 2000. I will watch it instead. And uh, I'm not making a TikTok account. So holla at your boy. <laughs> All right, buddy. So, nope. I told you Crown Jewel is going to ruin it for everybody. So there you go. It's a tie. There is no tiebreaker. Sorry, but not sorry. Yep. All WWE had to do was do the right thing. That's all they had to do. But no. Just to be clear, when Ross says WWE had to do the right thing, he means WWE just had to pick everything that he wanted to happen. No. Um, <laughs> don't have don't have a 60-year-old beat a guy in an overstable that was just I your champion. I've, I've I don't care. I don't care. You still picked Goldberg because you suck. Um, suck i picked the usos two years ago too and you had this exact same reaction yes you you suck you should have you should have figured out the freaking no you didn't no you didn't figure out anything you played it safe that wasn't safe it was smart no i I was trying to go and try you why would i you know what you know what i'll admit this I went ballsy on my picks because you complained that you weren't going to have enough time to watch WCW 2000 now that you've got three kids in the oh house. Oh, my God. That's about the that? excuse now? Get out of here, bro. Yep. It's you're, okay. talking to the dude, you're talking to the dude who picked Samoa Joe not once, not twice, three times, three yep. times to win yep. a world championship in 2018 and in 2019. True you story. That? True story. So don't tell me about playing it safe and playing it smart and I suck. Okay, you, d- Megan, you, you suck. You you did play it safe. You 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 clearly don't have any balls to make any picks, and uh, that's okay because now because now no one no one wins, and I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, I still win. So there you go. Uh so yeah. Uh, don't get it twisted. Come uh, come the year 2022, your boy will be covering WCW 2000 on a weekly basis. It's going to be glorious. Uh, so let's see. Next week's show. That's a, that's a punk move, by the way. Go ahead. What are you talking about? You're not going to do it. Move. It's a punk move. Hey, you offered it up. I won my half of the bet in the sense that I tied. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, we're going to do it anyways. It's like, okay. Like if there wasn't two co-hosts on the show. <sighs> so you, you could just make a TikTok account instead if you want. Because I want to make a TikTok. Hey. Technically, I'm doing yours, so if you want to do mine, you should go for it. I think that's kind of fun. But it's up to you. Move it along, brother. <laughs> so uh, next week's show. Yeah. TBD. I don't know what we're doing. Well, I mean, uh, we'll ask this to the people. We'll put it out there. I, I told Ross earlier this week, I was like, hey, man, I got to. F- I was like, we could do one show where we bring that bring back tnt's classic series we haven't done that in a few months okay Um, so i kind of i kind of have to pump the brakes on that because i don't know what's available on peacock all three of the matches that i'm thinking are i believe all available on peacock you're sure about that pretty positive we'll talk about it during the week okay 
Needless I will mention is- it because I think they're great matches that I think I want to tell you first before we go ahead and mention it. Uh, so one other thing I do want to mention is um, there is a show that is coming up on Saturday that I'm pretty sure I'm going to want to talk about on next week's show. Yeah, it's uh, Bound for Glory this upcoming Saturday, right? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. So well, let's carve out some time. So uh, here is what I will tell you. Um, Christian Cage is wrestling the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, for their world title. That should yeah. be awesome. By the way, another person who's old as can be, but gets it. Um, has De- it. Deanna Perrazzo is wrestling Mickey James for the That's title. That should be a banger. Um, there's the call your shot gauntlet match that involves basically lots of it's the, it's the match that every company does where you put like 20 million people in the ring and one person wins and gets a title shot. It's, 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 it's yes. So, um, rich Swan moose, people like that are in it. There's going to be like 20,000 people in it. Um, and then, oh yeah, they just announced this tonight. Uh, the good brothers, uh Finn Juice and the Bullet Club are wrestling for the tag team titles. So that that should actually be a fun match. I I, I don't really know what they're gonna do with it, but that was announced recently. So um I will probably at least talk about it at some point because I will probably watch it. Um yeah. and probably give my thoughts on it next week. So hey, actually, you know what? Before we go, Ross, you have your computer right in front. I mean, I do too, but since you actually have a web page in front of you right now, can you tell me when full gear is? It's like what is it? All second weekend Elite of Wrestling Full Gear. I want to say it's November the 14th. Oh, by the way, uh, since we're on this note, um, starting in January, um, Jorge and I are going to do pay-per-views a little bit differently this time around. Um, Unfortunately, it is WrestleMania season, so it's going to be kind of hard to not do the first four WWE pay-per-views. Well, for sure, the Rumble and and WrestleMania will be covered, and obviously, in some capacity, if Elimination Chamber has a lot of things riding on WrestleMania, we will Mm -hmm. do. But we're also definitely going to do Revolution. And then, technically, day one is in 2022. And I have no idea what we're, I, I have no idea what to expect out of that show. So, I mean, that's, but yes, um, we are going to start doing the big shows for AEW and talking about them because yeah, totally we wanted nothing. to do it this year. And I know that the picks have been WWE centric, but um, yeah, I, I, Jorge and I have talked about skipping WWE pay-per-views for my answer has. No, and my answer has been, well, we've consistently done every WWE pay-per-view for the better part of three and a half years. And I told myself that we needed to at least finish the year and talk about what we were going to do next year. And it's October, and this pay-per-view broke me. So um, needless to say, we are officially covering the big four shows for AEW next year. That's right. So that means Revolution is getting covered. That means Double or Nothing is getting covered, which actually Ross and I have done a really good job of covering Double or Nothing and All, and all Out uh, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. Um, we've actually had shows where a good chunk of the, of the show was dedicated 
towards our respective pay-per-view. We went over all out, even though we didn't pick it, but we had our full on all out review show. We've been on other people's podcasts where we talked about AEW shows. Obviously I think uh, last year you and I went on through the table with Gerard and the rice crispy. And we talked um, double or nothing last year. Um, and we've talked and we've had time where we went over revolution last year. So it's not something that's like, you know, oh my God, they're going to finally do it. It's just the fact that we are deciding to dedicate two podcasts to it in the sense of a preview show and a review show for those respective pay-per-views because the quality is too good for us to ignore. It's just not fair. Yeah. So, um, so like I said, we will still cover Survivor Series, obviously. Um, the Rumble. The Rumble. Yeah. You did say... Money in there... the Bank and SummerSlam for sure. Right, but I'm saying after the end of this year, yeah, we will kind of pick and choose what we want to do. But again, That's it's, right. it's 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 kind of hard with WWE because the first quarter of the year is WrestleMania season. Right, so it's going like, to be kind of hard to not do those shows, unless, for instance, like if Elimination Chamber looks particularly terrible, we might actually skip it. We might actually skip it, or we may end up just being like, hey. Um, this chamber match looks really cool. We'll watch that. Yes, and talk you know I mean? about that. But like, yeah. skip the entirety of the card if it's not. I mean, here's a perfect example. Hell in a Cell ended up being an okay show this year. Ross covered it while I was gone, but I still gave my picks and whatnot. But there have been Hell in a Cell shows. Ross and I, there should have been absolutely no reason for us to cover the 2019 Hell in a Cell show. Absolutely. That's one of the worst shows we've put on in the last 20 years by any company, period. There was no reason for us to give it that much time. And we did. Why? Because it was like, oh, it's a WWE pay-per-view. Ross and I literally had conversations days before saying, Ross, I don't think we should talk about it. And then that day I wasn't able to be on the podcast and Ross still had a preview show for it that lasted 26 minutes. (laughs) Hey. Hey. It was great. No, 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 it was great. But my point is, you got through a pay-per-view preview in 26 minutes. It was a show that had three matches, three matches on the card, Ross. Three matches. That was it. And you still covered it. I commend you for it, but at the same time, that was a waste. That and that's what we're referring to. A lot of WWE shows have become a waste of our time, a waste of our breath, a waste of our wisdom. And so it's, it's true. It's true. All, and there's AEW shows that are not. Now, could there very well be like AEW shows that are not great in the future? Yes, that's coming. Trust me on that. I know that there will be finally an AEW pay per view that absolutely sucks, Donkey Dick, but that has yet to happen. Well, I mean, the show that ended with the non explosion explosion was not great. It wasn't exactly. And by the way, we did cover that a lot. But I know. But the, I, the I finish sucked, but the pay-per-view didn't suck. I, I, can't, I can't take Eddie Kingston seriously anymore after that match. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, actually, it's actually really hilariously terrible because I'm because I know Eddie, Eddie Kingston's, Kingston's talented, but like yeah. I'm sorry, I can't I can't take him seriously after he protected John Moxley from a dud. Like gotcha. I, I just <sighs> Anyway. Well, I'm gonna wrap it. I'm gonna wrap it up on here, and I'm gonna ask you this question, and then I'll let you go ahead and do our outro. The AEW World Championship War- Tournament is happening right now. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me your winner. 
So where are we at in the tournament exactly? I, think it, I don't think it's actually fully started yet. Okay, so hold on. There's okay. a world title eliminator tournament bracket. Yes. Yes, I'm looking at it right now. So we've got hold on. Mox hold versus on. oh okay. I see Moxley versus ten right. from the Dark Order. Yes. Orange Cassidy versus Hobbs. Right. Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston. Yep. Dustin and... Rhodes versus Brian Danielson. Correct. And the winner of this tournament gets a shot at Kenny Omega. Correct. So I, what it seems to me is that the final happens at full gear because it's Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page for the title at full gear. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. because... Um, he won the, the the briefcase, or not the briefcase, excuse me, the ladder match uh, two weeks ago. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of what else is on that show. Isn't Punk wrestling Wardlow on that show? Is he? And I think Adam Cole's wrestling Christian Cage on that is show. Is he? At full gear? Or maybe that's... Hold on. Yo. Okay, so... Cole versus Christian is going to be litty lit lit. Okay. Um... Maybe this is. Okay. I don't. Here I don't are the know. matches so far. Um, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page, yep. and then the second match is the final of the Eliminator Tournament. That's all they have booked for right now. That's it. Okay. Um, now, if we do get the two matches that you just just described, I'd be one hundred percent for it, especially Cole versus Christian. That'd okay. Be ridiculous. So you asked me a question. Yep. Um. I want to know who you think is going to win the title. So, so Mox will beat 10. Okay. Um, Hobbs is wrestling Cassidy. Yeah. I think from a booking standpoint, Hobbs beating Cassidy probably makes more sense. Yes. So Moxley, while wow, Moxley versus Hobbs could actually be interesting. Um, the other side will be Danielson versus it should be Danielson versus Lance Archer. To be honest with you, that's what I they probably that, should I think, do. I think that's what they will do. Okay. I, I actually think that's what they will do. And then almost any combination of those four, I'd be okay with in the finals. I'm going to tell you right now, for me, the final should 100. And I know that this is what everybody wants. So I'm, and it's not the fact that I'm siding with everyone. I'm just saying it because Moxley, it is the right. Moxley, Moxley versus, yeah. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying is if you're going to put Moxley in the match and you have him face Archer, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a mistake. No, it's not. They've had, didn't they have a world um, championship match last year? Did they fight for the world title last year? I feel like Archer had a match against, against Mox for the AEW world title at one point last year. If they did, I don't remember it. Because wasn't Archer hanging around the TNT title for a while? Well, he was the yeah, yeah, he was, but okay. I believe that he also did he wrestle him as the TNT champion? Well, I don't. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Archer ever won the TNT title. No, no, you're right. I'm sorry, yeah. you're right. But I'm, okay, I think you're getting him confused with Brody Lee. Um, no, which that's I'm not, wondering that's, if no, which I'm, I'm wondering I, if I'm getting myself confused with because I know that Lee and Mox had a match at Double or Nothing, but I'm pretty sure. Archer and Mox had a match. I don't remember that. So I guess what I'm saying is this. If they were to do Moxley versus Archer or even uh, Danielson versus Hobbs, 
I don't think I'd be upset with that, but I think you're right. I think the match is probably Moxley Danielson. The problem there is we've seen both those guys wrestle Omega. Except, except Danielson's match wasn't for the title, and not to mention he never lost to Omega. Yeah, so I mean, so, obviously, so I mean, obviously, the guy that's probably going to win the tournament is, is Brian Danielson. Well, which, which to me, in turn, that makes me wonder why is he even in the tournament to begin with? He should just be the number two, the number one contender over Hangman Page. Like, so, I feel like Hangman Page should be waiting. Okay, so uh, who's Danielson facing in the first round again? Dustin Rhodes. Okay, so he beats a guy that he's wrestled before. And by yeah, the yeah. way, no, I'm, and, I'm, and, trust me, I'm and, saying I'm going Danielson. No, no, I'm. Here's what I'm saying. Okay. So Brian Daniels has been on the show. He's wrestled Kenny Omega, not for the yeah. title. Who right. else has he wrestled? Um, I believe one of the young bucks. I think it was Nick. Or okay. Maybe Matt. Okay. And who else yeah. has he wrestled? Is that it? Um, and then he was in a tag team match, uh, like a six man tag like a okay. couple of weeks back. So in singles matches, he's one and one. He's uh one oh and one. Okay. Yeah. So he'll beat he'll he'll beat Dustin Rhodes, uh, right? That's a win. Yeah, he'll probably beat Lance Archer. That's another win. Correct. And then or if he Kingston, beats whoever it is, but yeah. right, and then he'll beat Moxley or whoever. So now he's got a string of wins over. You know, not not Three all of, the of them top guys in AEW. Yeah, and then he faces Omega again. Yeah. So. To me, that's better than just saying we'll do a rematch for the title. Oh yeah, no, I I, I guess so. No, no, you're right. I, hey, listen, I'm all for a tournament to determine a, a, a number one contender. Mm-hmm. I I prefer that. I I that's one of the things that I miss about W. Do you remember back in two thousand and in two thousand and four? You remember the Gold Rush tournament? Yes. Edge won the Edge won the Gold Rush tournament, and he became the number one contender to. Chris Benoit. I'm sorry, 2005, excuse me. 2005. And he became the number one contender um, in a match for the World Heavyweight Championship uh, against who I think it may have actually been Batista. He had a match with him on Raw. But the uniqueness of that was the fact that you don't know who was going to win that number one contendership tournament. That's the whole point. And I missed that from WWE. And we haven't seen a number one contendership for a male world title in a long time. The Royal Rumble is special. Don't get me wrong. And I want that to continue. But I would like to see offshoot eight-man or 16-man tourneys for a number one contendership to a world championship. You know? I think that would be fire. Like, give me an eight-man tournament to see whoever faces the main world champion at SummerSlam. Remember when John Cena and Daniel Bryan had their match at SummerSlam? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool to see Daniel Bryan, uh, John John Cena just handpick Daniel Bryan. But I would have much rather have seen eight Daniel Bryan go through four dudes to get to Cena. Would have been a preference. Just saying. So I kind of want that. To, I kind of want to see that happen more often. And in turn, I'm sure that this Eliminator tournament in eight in AEW, which starts this upcoming Friday on Rampage is going to be an absolute banger. And yes, I'm going with Brian Danielson versus John Moxley in the final. And if I had to put money on it, I'm probably going to go with Daniel uh, with Brian Danielson, excuse me. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fun is what it is. Yes, and look, 
I'm not saying they need to do tournaments or weird, wacky 17 million man matches all the time, but you know, it kind of actually fits the Kenny Omega character too. It's like, Oh, like I've beaten everybody. I'm bored. Let's watch a tournament and see who can face me. (laughs) Yeah. Him and the entire, the entire elite. Just yes. watching, sitting back, and you know, seeing who's going to go ahead and be the person that has to face him and that whole entire squad. And then knowing Kenny Omega, he'd be like, "Oh, well, before you get to me, now you have to face Adam Cole, or now you have to face the Bucks, or mm-hmm. now you have to face Gallows and Anderson." Makes you know? sense. Makes sense. It's it just it's perfect stuff. Um, for all the crap I've given Kenny Omega in the past, I'm happy to say that I've done the, in the same vein that you did the 180 on Brock. I've done a full. Not even a 180 on on Kenny Omega. I did 180, then another 180. I did a full 720. Like that's how that's how awesome I think Kenny Omega has become to me. There it is. I, I'm a huge fan of Kenny Omega now. So on it that note, when you can have people on American television, I'm sorry, but it's it, it is. I mean, it's a big thing for me. If I can watch somebody and be able to appreciate their work, it's a huge thing. All right. So on that note, we're going to wrap up the show. I'm going to I'm going to have you rep the socials again because you did start the show. So go ahead. Sure. Well, you guys can go ahead and catch us on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. You can catch Ross at Ross the Real Boss eighty five on Instagram. Me, me, I am at the One Only Jamin nineteen. I can't speak English. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Twitter. We are at TDT Wrestling Pod, and Ross also has a Twitter that he just doesn't go on, which is Ross the Ross the Real Boss, or excuse me, Boss Ross TDT. Excuse me, Boss Ross TDT on Twitter, and then of course we are affiliated with the Wabam Entertainment Group. That's Wabam ENT Wabam ENT. Wabamentertainment.com. Uh, go check them out on Twitter as well. They've got a great, a great Twitter page. Our buddies, uh, Tom Thunderous Wizard and the entire crew of Hops and Box Office Flops are affiliated with them. Um, they were the ones that got us attached with them. So shout out to them as always. They're always repping us on their show. So here's another rep back to them. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, we plan on closing out the next two months with a bang, just enjoying what the products are that are in front of us are. And we're just going to have a great time. That's, that's really what we can say. We're going to try and enjoy the rest of 2021. That is going to do it for our Crown Jewel plus more extravaganza show. Crown Jewel 2021 edition from WWE. It's been the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. For the J-Man, I'm Boss Ross. I apologize for nothing I've said on this show. And we will catch you on the flip side. 